The Law Report with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report program. Well, before we begin, just a reminder that if you need any information regarding the Law Report, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Law on SAFM. But if you'd still like to contact me directly, you can email me on law at safm.co.za. Well, I'm joined once again this evening by Michael Bagram, Practicing Managing Partner at Bagram's Attorneys, Labor Law Specialist here in Cape Town. Michael, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hi, good evening. It's exciting to be here. We're in the strike season in South Africa, so we've got lots to talk about tonight. We seem to permanently be in the strike season, Michael. (laughs) It seems to go on all the time. (laughs) But this is actually the season for this. Okay. It's maybe the winter of discontent. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, once again, we've been inundated with email questions. So tonight we'll take the first half of the show, or just about, to deal with some of those questions. And then we'll take your calls for the second half of the show. And here's the good news. As we won't be able to get through all the emails tonight, Michael has once again agreed to join us in two weeks' time on Monday the 17th of June. So we'll deal with some more of the emails then and we'll also be focusing on retrenchment. So tune in then if you want to know anything about retrenchment. Right, so we'll get on with the emails first, but in the meantime you can call us on 0892 10 2010-0892-10-2010. Just leave your name and contact details with my producer and we'll call you back once we're done with the mails. The National Arts Festival in Grahamstown runs from the 27th of June to the 7th of July. The biggest festival on the continent has 3,000 performances, including the best theatre, hottest jazz, awesome dance, great music, lectures, comedy, film, performance art, exhibitions and much more. It's the place to be this winter. Book now at CompuTicket. Visit us online at www.nationalartsfestival.co.za. The National Arts Festival, 11 days of amazing, in partnership with SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The Law Report with Karen Key. You're tuned to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Karen Key, and this is The Law Report. My guest tonight is Michael Bagram. He's an attorney here in Cape Town, practicing as Bagram's attorney's labor law specialists. And obviously, we're talking about labor law. If you have any questions, you can call us on 0892 10 2010. But as I mentioned earlier, we're going to just deal with some of your emails first. And Michael, the first one is from Elias. He says, what is the time frame for referring a case to Labour Court after CCMA ruling? Is there any help if I cannot afford an attorney? First and first and foremost, there is a time frame and you need to look at it carefully. Um, uh, it depends on what type of case it is. And my suggestion is that he can outline his case to the registrar of the Labour Court, phone the Labour Court, because um, they will also help you with the second half of this question. Um, I would act as quickly as possible, even within the 30 days, but most cases they allow you 90 days, some of them six months, some don't have a time limit. So my suggestion is at least ask the registrar of the Labour Court. You can just look up the number in the phone book, phone the Labour Court, or phone your local Department of Labor, they'll give you the names and details of the registrars of the Labor Court, and they'll give you the phone number of the nearest Labor Court to you. Um, The rule of thumb is that as soon as you can, and as soon as you realize that you want to take something on review or appeal, or you want to actually refer something to the Labor Court, just do it straight away. Don't wait. And many people say, well, I've got 90 days, uh, um, it's only been 60 days, so let me relax. Things 
things happen and there's many a slip betwixt lip and cup. So my, my suggestion is immediately make that call. Why I'm saying also make the call to the Labour Court and explain to the registrar or at least one of the helpers of the Labour Court what your case is all about because often they then assist you with the paperwork. They often tell you, listen, yes, it's so many days and this is the forms that you have to fill in and this has to be done by affidavit, this has to how you have to serve the documents. There's a whole complicated process as to how you serve a document on an employer where you have to do it by registered post or by hand. Uh, often you can't do it by telefax, otherwise you'll need proof, that sort of thing. So those things they need, they need to actually outline to you carefully. But what's also important is that they then might say, look, this is a complicated area of law, and we have a system, and I know here in the Cape Labor Court, we have a system of attorneys who have volunteered to do the, the work pro bono, and of cost you nothing. You have to show, obviously, that you can't afford an attorney, and once you've done that, then the registrar will then put you on to one of the firms who will then run your case as if you were an, an, a, a paying client which is actually very important for you to get this proper advice. And even if they're not going to run your case for you, they might put you onto an attorney who at least can give you telephonic advice and, and guide you through some of the processes. I know that, that um, my firm, Bagram's Attorneys, we often get calls from the registrar saying, won't you help Joe Soap, whoever it is, and um, he can't afford it, and then we, we, we do talk to people. So that, that is a system, and the best to get hold of the registrar will then put you on to someone. He's got a roster. He'll put you on to something. Then there are also um, processes whereby the law societies and the various areas, the law societies also have pro bono assistance from some of their attorneys. And, in fact, the universities have university clinics where you can phone in and speak to a student, maybe a final year law student who is cutting their teeth on the labor law and they will advise you as to what can be done. Sometimes they even send people with you down to the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation, Arbitration or to those bargaining councils. So there are quite a few options available. Absolutely. Right, the next one is was posted on the Facebook page from Mutluani. He says, I'm a truck driver. I want to know, and I'm, the, I'm not quite sure exactly how this works, but let me just try and get through this question. I want to know, he says, the basic salary is calculated by hours. Now my employer is calculating my incentive now it means if there's no incentive it means there's no salary i'm not quite sure where we're going but from what i think it says is that up until now the basic salary was calculated by your hours but surely if there's a basic it shouldn't be how many hours it yeah. should just be a basic salary and anyway truck driving is is um, governed by various bargaining councils and there are basic salaries, so I don't know what's happened. They've put him on some sort of um, there's some sort of an incentive, incentive now, which and they, which he's he worrying about. And it doesn't sound right at all. My suggestion is that he gets hold of the bargaining council involved in his industry, or at least the Department of Labour will put they'll find out where he's from, what area he is, and what industry he's talking about, and they will put him onto that bargaining council because there are wages that are determined by at least that bargaining council. Well, surely a basic salary shouldn't depend on how many hours you Absolutely work. not. I mean, that the basic salary is the basic salary. That's the, the very essence of it. And you have to be paid your salary. If you don't do the number of hours that you're supposed to do, well, then they'll pay you pro rata a little bit less. Well, maybe what they mean or what, they've, what he does maybe understand here, maybe there is a basic salary 
and they're now Plus being offered an incentive, an incentive which bothers me that. a little bit yeah. with truck drivers because, as we all know, they are sometimes worked really hard and they tend to have to meet deadlines. And I would hate for them to now be pushing themselves even harder for an incentive bonus, which means they're going to sleep less and be more dangerous to themselves and others on the road. And drive faster on the yeah. road and also be reckless. And we've got to be very careful about it. And that's why that industry is strictly controlled. Um, so I, I, I certainly wouldn't accept what he's saying that they're now only on an incentive. I think he's misinterpreted what it's all about. So maybe go but and talk clearly to somebody. I, I would like him to go and talk to someone outside his employer and to go and see what they have to say. Okay, because it is a little bit confusing yeah. there. Right, the next one. My company wanted to reinstate me, but they don't want to back pay me for the three months that I've been staying at home without getting my salary. Should I take my case to the CCMA? Yeah, I accept he must look at it carefully. I'm not sure why he was out in the first place. They might have offered that as a settlement to him. And look, uh, a job is better than no job. And if he goes to the CCMA, he might get the three months, but not the job. Um, you've got to be very careful. You can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. So my strong belief is that he should maybe get advice from a labor consultant, a labor lawyer, speak to someone who knows a bit about the law. Before you go before to the CCMA. Before they go to the CCMA. And maybe this offer is a good one. Who knows? Right. The next one. My, what process does one have to go through if they find that an employee on probation is not a correct fit for an organization because they are not right for the team and do not have the right attitude for the task at hand? What is the process to be undertaken in order to release the employee from employment legally? Okay. That, that's a very good question because probation is still appropriate in our law. It has to be in writing. It has to be in the, either the contract of employment or the letter of appointment or the terms and conditions of employment, that that employee then is governed by that probationary period. Normal probation is anything from three months to six months. And if it is there in writing, then what the employer has to do is you have to put certain KPIs, the key performance indicators as to what they have to actually do. And then you have to give that person feedback, at least monthly feedback, but many employers give weekly feedback to say that you're not greeting the customers, you're not smiling when the manager comes in, you're not coming to work on time, or whatever it is. At least give that person feedback and most appropriately do that in writing so there's no argument as to what happened. Once you've been through that exercise and you've shown a person that this is not, you're not a great fit, this is not disciplinary type things. This is a person who's not fitting into the team, the other employees aren't getting one with you, your management team aren't getting on with you, or something of that nature. And they normally, in, in colloquial terms, we say you've got a square peg in a round hole. That person is just not a fit. And that's what probation is all about. At that point, after having warned them and seeing that they still can't bring themselves right, you then have a thing called a probationary discussion, where they actually get told that tomorrow we're going to meet, so they tell them time, date, and place, and they also outline that we're going to discuss all these other areas that we have been pointing out to you up until now. And we're going to discuss whether, in fact, we're going to confirm your employment as a permanent one or whether we're going to terminate it during this probationary period. Um, what is normally acceptable is that at that discussion you have someone who is maybe removed from the exercise, a little bit removed from the exercise, so they don't just... Um, bring someone in who's made his decision already. You must, you must hear the person out. Objectively. At least. Yes, you must try and hear them out. Although it's not a disciplinary hearing, we call it a probationary hearing. 
um, it still means that that person then is finds that they, their job is terminated. So they should actually have a right to be heard. It goes back to the old Roman Dutch law, Audi Altrum Partem, which means let both sides be heard. Um, that person might have been coming in a little bit late and they've had two months of probation, but then when we actually hear them, they say, well, you brought me in in the middle of a bus strike. And the roads were terrible, the buses were terrible, the trains were running late. Please bear with me. You Have a look at the rest of your staff. They were also coming late or whatever. So there might be a reason as to why that person hasn't been able to perform. You can take probation one step further because although you might have agreed on a three-month probation and that person maybe is looks like a square peg in a round hole, but you're not entirely sure because you've been off overseas, you've been on a buying trip, when you came back you were incredibly busy trying to catch up and you haven't watched what Michael's been doing uh, whilst he's on his probationary period, you would then say to Michael, listen, we think that you are a square peg in a round hole. We are not entirely satisfied with your fit over here. But what we'd like to do is we'd like to have you agree with us that we can extend that probationary period. But an extension must be in writing again and signed by both parties. And then it gives the employer a little bit cha longer chance to assess you. It also gives you a longer chance to actually try and prove yourself. So it actually is quite a useful tool for both sides. Right, so quite an interesting answer there. Right, and... Um, Email from Keith. He says, I work for a private security company. I, I absconded and six months later I came back to claim my Provident Fund. I was then offered a new contract and promised that the company will carry over my Provident Fund into the new contract. And this is where I find the strange que uh, question. He says, am I being ripped off? I think he's, <laughs> he's very lucky, actually. Yeah, I, I, I think um, <laughs> I think it's almost a tongue-in-cheek. I don't know. I think he's sent it to you as a big joke. And I don't think so. I, I catch the joke. I, th I think so because he knows. And he said, I absconded. I ran away. And then he came back. And then they came back and they actually offer him Six a job. Six months later, you came back. Damn nice of them to offer him his job, especially when all of us are desperate to get into the workplace. Um, here is a man who absconds, abuses his employer, gets offered his job back. And they now want to put his pension fund with a new pension fund, certainly not being ripped off. He says he came back after six months to claim his provident fund, yeah, at which point they offered him a new contract and said they'll just carry it over to the new. Yeah. They, so I he's mean, not he being could, ripped no, off at all. He just should no, be grateful. Not. That's absolutely. Okay. Right. I would like some advice on a grievance that I served at the Department of Correctional Services regarding a salary dispute. The problem is that I'm earning less than my other members. My salary notch per year is two two seven. 430 and the others the counterparts are getting 242440 so it's about what just i don't know what it is a little bit quite a bit less actually yeah it is quite a lot less and yeah and he wants to know can you assist me yeah salary disputes must go through off to the bargaining council of course it doesn't sound like he's taken this up with the employer he should take it up as a grievance because I mean, this is a government department, mm. they're, and then unless they're picking on the individual, but they don't normally do that. It's normally done by payroll people who don't even know you. So I, my suggest, strong suggestion is before he looks for fights, actually puts the, all the facts together, shows his pay slip, shows a friend's pay slip, sends it in, says, can you please explain what the differentiation is? Either they'll have a proper explanation or they won't. If they won't, then then he has to say, listen, I want this corrected as soon as possible. Sometimes the wheels of justice turn very slowly. Otherwise, he can. There is a public service a bargaining council, which he can refer to, 
I fortunately have lots of fights with the Department of Correctional Services, uh, forever fighting with them, and I don't think they're looking to uh, specifically pick on an individual who hasn't got paid properly. I think they'd rather try and sort it out. They've got big problems at the moment where they've been alleged to have been discriminating against coloured employees as opposed mm. to black employees. So. I think a case of this nature, they'd rather get this sorted out quickly. Well, we're staying with correctional services. Um, this is from Troger, who said, I was diagnosed with major depression by a psychologist. It happened just after I was ill-treated by my employer, who was the manager or head of the centre. I'm a correctional officer, and the employer approved two of my leave applications without pay. I was the only official whose leave application was approved without pay. How could I sit at home for three days without pay? Why not approve with pay or not approve or not disapprove once i got i had grievances against them and they took two years without being handled i resigned from our post at supply chain in 2010 and even today i don't have a replacement and supervisor i was investigated in 2007 for forgery even today i never got an investigation report that suggests i'm if i'm guilty or not money was deducted from my salary for leave without pay without my knowledge no charge or disciplinary Sitting was held prior to the deduction that would suggest deduction as a solution. I was booked night shift for a month, whereas I was only supposed to work that shift for a week. I got depressed as my manager decided to give me a written warning without my, myself, my shop steward, being available at the hearing, not even knowledge of such a hearing being communicated to us. I went to hospital for two weeks. My doctor then suggested in writing that as a correctional officer, I shouldn't be booked with a firearm during my therapy since I was under treatment. And that's when my manager decided to book me with a firearm and charged me for not signing a firearm, ignoring the doctor's plea. The firearm control speaks highly on people with depression working with firearms, hence many suicides. But my manager even sent me for a two-week course on a shooting range. I couldn't refuse as we are instructed to comply and complain later. My manager didn't care about the danger he put me in and everybody that I was with during this course because my doctor feared I might shoot people or commit suicide. I was now placed again with more firearms just after the shooting course and when I went to Human Resources to ask for a grievance form to launch my complaint, the officer refused me access to those grievance forms. I then went back to hospital for two weeks. I really don't know what to do because I even contemplated resigning because these people are pushing me to the edge. They wanted to do exactly what my doctor feared. Luckily, I'm better now. Even my doctor suggested recovery and said I can resume my full duties at work. But I feel I should still launch a very serious complaint that would end up at the CCMA. It sounds like a bit of a nightmare, actually. It is a bit of a nightmare. And I must tell you, it looks like he has resigned. And now that he seems to have been rehabilitated uh, to a large degree and he maybe is on the proper medication and he can go back to work. But mm. he started off by saying, I have resigned. Um, and I don't think there's much he can do. Um, so, in fact, all the previous actions um, don't even take into account. Don't let that cloud your your mind. I don't think he's got a case, quite frankly. Um, he, in fact, is a member of a union. They're all members of unions. Um, there's either Pop Crew or um, uh, Solidarity or one of the other unions in, involved in the uh, correctional services. And I think this is a true case for actually a union uh, to get involved and see if they can do anything for him. But from what I understand, he's too late to refer it to the CCMA. It was all started in 2007, so Correct. it's quite a while ago. Yeah. Right, we got an email from Seppa. It's it's quite an involved story. He wants to know, he just says, I'm, I'm a self-worker. He's obviously self-employed, um, doing bricklaying and plastering work. He, wants to, he asked a, a, quite an involved question about how much you get paid 
per square meter and how much is to be paid per day when you're bricklaying. And I've got, I managed to get some information from somebody in the construction industry. And I have, Tepo, I hope you have received this if you're listening. I did send you a whole lot of information on what the pay rates were and how it worked here in Cape Town. Apparently, it's not the same in the whole of the country. It depends on where you are. But the question for you, Michael, he wants to know, how does he tell his boss he needs to be paid more? Yeah, if he's self-employed, so yeah, he's well that, working no, under contract, I would correct, imagine. Correct, and there's no such thing as a boss over here. Unless he is actually under contract, but he's working for one person or for a company and he gets more than 75% of his income from that one source, it could then be deemed to be an employee, despite the fact that he calls himself an independent contractor and that he works for himself, he might actually be deemed to be an employee and then those rates that you send him are correct because that's a bargaining council. That would depend where he is though because I sent him Cape Town rates. Correct, but they they do have bargaining councils around the country. So let's talk uh, Western Cape, it's the Building Industry Bargaining Council. And they have specific rates for bricklayers, plasterers, painters, plumbers, electricians, whatever it is. And those bargaining councils then set the minimum wage. And then he all he has to do is to go into the bargaining council. But if he truly is an independent contractor, then he determines himself as to what the rate should be. Because with the information I got back from the building industry, it said here bricklayers are usually employed one of two ways, full or part-time employee of the contractor or as a labor-only subcontractor to the main contractor. Correct. That's how it and works. That's, and that's how it works, works unless you're working for yourself. Yeah. For instance, if and then I don't fall under the bargaining council at all. Um, if I work for myself and I come into someone's house and I say, listen, I can paint your wall for you, I'm willing to paint this wall for you for 10 rand a meter, and that's what I've negotiated for myself. The bargaining council is not interested at all because you're an independent. You're not an employee. And then I'll go at the same time, I'll go do the neighbor's wall as well. And I might have negotiated more there. So yeah, he, the answer to this man is simply this. If he is an employee, he needs to have it tested to see whether he is or isn't. If he's not an employee, then there's no right. So to become an employee, he's got to get 75% or more. Well, it does. there's a whole lot of tests in terms of um, the Labor Relations Act 200 capital A. It depends on whether he is under their control, whether he uses their equipment. There's a whole lot of tests to determine whether, in fact, he is. I'm just using a rule of thumb from the receiving okay. revenue. They're saying if you get the majority of your income, it's normally about 75% or more from one source, then the receiver deems you to be an employee. Okay, not a contract worker. Not a contract worker. Right, well, you tune to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Karen Key, and this is The Law Report. My guest tonight is Michael Bagram. He's an attorney here in Cape Town, practicing as Bagram's attorney's labor law specialist, and we're talking about labor law. If you have any questions now, you can ring us on 0892 10 2010. 0892 10 2010. Off to the lines now, Sam in Durban. Good evening. Yes, how are you, Karen? Hi, very well, thank you. How are you? Not bad, not bad. And you? How can we help you? Uh, Karen, my brother was used to work for a, a big company, industrial company that uh, deals with uh, like oil. Uh, he passed on about two years back. Uh, oh, Sam, 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 yeah. we're going to have to call you back. This line of yours is really bad, and you're breaking up terribly. We can't hear anything you're saying. So hang up the phone, Sam, and we'll get we'll okay. call you back. Okay. Okay. All right. Call. Thanks. Bye bye. We'll try and Sindisi in East London in the meantime. Sindisi, good evening. Sindisi in East London, are you there? 
Robinson, DC. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. I, can, I can hear you. Hello, there you are. How can we help you? Yes, uh, I just want clarity on the issue of uh, being referred to the employee assistance unit within your employer. That is, uh, I'm working for public service. Uh, that's what has happened. Uh, my immediate supervisor has a tendency of not being, uh, what you call, uh, maybe satisfied or intolerant. The work is too much, and she would want a person to have done the work anyway. Uh, so I just want clarity on the consequences, uh, the, the goods and the bads, when I agree or when I don't agree. Okay. Well, uh, hi, it's Michael. Um, my, my suggestion is that it looks like what they're doing is they're referring you to, and you call it the Employee Assistance Unit, they're referring you to their um, human resource people um, to try and somehow manage you um, in a whole lot of ways. Um, hopefully it's not a disciplinary hearing, uh, but hopefully that they're looking at um, performance management, some sort of performance management and how they're going to set targets for you and see what is reasonable. If I were you, I would work with them to at least there explain that the targets that have been set for you by your manager is not attainable and not reasonable and it's not fair that they want the, produ the produce anyway um, without giving you enough time. Am I understanding you correctly on that? Yeah, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and and, and DC, it's not a disciplinary hearing. You haven't received any notification of a disciplinary hearing or no, anything. No, no, they don't say that it that it is. We do talk calmly on these things, but it's just that uh, we disagree. Yeah. You know, uh, at times the supervisors uh, once work done anyway, as I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. As Michael if said, I, maybe if I can be honest to you, you you must have had uh, many times. In the department, there's always more than 50% shortage of staff. Yeah, I understand that. But, and but that's, that's why you need to... Yeah. with them, you see. Yeah, and then they make you do the work. The, the, the point what I'm getting at is this is performance management, and you need to be fair by working with them to show that you're putting in your eight hours a day and you're not getting the work done because it's not humanly possible. So work with them and make sure that they understand exactly what you are doing. Okay. And can I ask another one, please? Yes, Sorry, it's a short one. Okay. Uh, one time, one was uh, with the labor court, assisted by a union. Right. On an issue of not being appointed, although one was recommended. Uh, the employer chose to put, to employ uh, other employees. That is the second. I was the second. Uh, in the list of uh, recommended people. Then they employed number three and number four. And the union took it to court? Yeah, yeah. the union uh, took it, but they also faltered in the sense that the labor court said, no, man, uh, you mismatched things when you applied to the labor court on this thing. As a result, there is no jurisdiction. Now, I want to know if the union has never taken that case forward, for many years, what what can one do? And also, in the case that I'm aggrieved now to the union itself, what can I do? How long ago was this, Simpson, DC? Uh, I can say that was almost 
10 years. No. Oh, no, it's way too long ago. It's too long. Normally, you've got three years, and otherwise you can't sue a union. And it's the union that appears to have made the mistakes here. They haven't helped you properly. And we've had a lot of this lately. We've been speaking about it, um, in fact, on SAFM House. Often the unions don't do the good service to their members. Um, I, I don't think you can do anything because it was 10 years ago, but it was if it's within the three years, uh, then people mm. can do something. But I think you're too late. Mm. Sorry, Mson DC, but good luck with your issue at work. I hope it all resolves itself well. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes these things are happening in the public service. Yes, yeah. unfortunately they do. Better. Yeah, well, good luck to you, Mson DC. Thank thanks, for, thanks for getting through. Good night to you. Sam in Durban, hopefully we've got a better line with you this time. I think it's, I think it's better now. Okay, let's oh, see how okay. we're going. How, okay, we were talking about your brother. Yes, my brother used to work for a, a bulk chemical storage. Okay. Then he was given a, a responsibility to fix the pump from the tank, where, which contains the, 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 the hazardous, the hazardous right. chemicals. Yeah. So, he then passed on due to that accident, of which prior for, for him to enter to those premises, he was supposed to be given the protective clothing that should be signed by the supervisor. And then he must be authorized and given, be given the permit to do so. And then it was alleged that the permit was signed but was not given the 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 the, 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 the clothing uh, to, 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 to 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 play safe on that area. Then he passed on. It was also alleged that the supervisor and some other colleagues were suspended due to that event. So now we are trying to find out if we do have any recourse on that regard. Okay, thank you. There, there's an act. Um, it's all. It's a new workman's compensation. It's COIDA. Um, it's compensation commissioner is the person actually is in charge of this and my suggestion is that you get hold of the commissioner uh, from COIDA um, I, the best way to do it is to get hold of your local Department of Labor yes. and the Department of Labor will put you on to the compensation commissioner's office and you will get your brother's details including the ID number and let yes. them try and investigate in some way um, as to whether, in fact, anything can be done. Uh, everyone at the workplace, and especially with larger companies who do register you, but everyone at the workplace has to be registered with the compensation commissioner. They take a yes. percentage of your salary, and, yes. and that protects you, and there should be monies that should be available to the family or to the heirs um, yes. in your brother's estate. So there should be something there. Unfortunately, uh, the Compensation Commissioner's office is notoriously slow. And yes. obvi obviously, you know, with many claims coming through, it takes many years. But yes. don't give up. It sounds like there's been some negligence here. And I think what you need to do is pursue it on behalf of your brother's heirs, maybe his children or his late, uh, the late brother's wife. So, okay. So that then I do I, do we sue the company? No, 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 you, no, you don't sue. Commission? No, you don't sue Who do, anyone. Do we sue in this case? You don't sue anyone. You get hold of the compensation commissioner through the Department of Labor. They'll put you on. They'll put you onto the nearest office, and they yeah. then they then take the action. Yeah. 
um, and see what, what has to be done in those circumstances. It depends on a whole lot of investigations that take place after accidents. Um, and this takes, unfortunately, years. And when did the, when did your brother pass on? 2011. Yeah, well then, you know, it, it, is, it is still reasonably fresh uh, in everyone's minds, and I think it's still being investigated. But my suggestion is you find out who is investigating, uh, get hold of the Department of Labor, which is closest to where your brother worked. Yes. And they will then get you onto the correct person. You try and find out which clock is working on your brother's file. Yes. Okay, okay. Sam. Okay, no, okay. Thank, 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 thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for getting through. Good night to you. Nefta in Butterworth, good evening. Good evening, madam. Hello, how can we help you? Madam, my case is like this, madam. I was working as a security guard in East London. I retired from my job, ma'am, last year by June. Now, I, don't, I didn't receive my pensions that uh, a provident fund, you know. Right. All the com uh, contributions have been deducted from my salary up until the last month of my work, June. But until now, I'm going high and low. One time I phoned you there and you advised me to phone to the ombudsman of yes. the pensions department. But that thing, in, in, uh, until now, I've received nothing. And I went to the this legal protection, uh, you know, like a legal yes, wife. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Even them, they don't, they are taking very, 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 very long time to, 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 to make my case speedy because now, I owe the banks, the loans, mm. uh, interest are going up. I have no income. I'm struggling a lot, but I have a pension which has been held by the APSA. Okay, you know? Ma Michael, how long does it normally take? I mean, it, if you go to the Ombudsman, it shouldn't, it shouldn't take this long. It shouldn't take too long, and I'm not sure what's gone wrong. Have you been to the Security Industry Regulatory Authority? There is. It's called SIRA, S-I-R-A. Oh, and they, and there are officers in East London. You must go uh, there and ask them to investigate the company, whether in fact the pension money was paid over, first of all, into a pension fund, and let them follow up for you because you've been paying some money to them as well. Yeah, but now I don't know if in them. One time I went to Amtata. We've got an office at Amtata. Right. And they, they referred me to, they say, to the head office. And uh, sent everything, my copies of those uh, salaries, last copies. Even then, no reply. Okay, well then, maybe what you could do, are you living near in Umtata? It's in Butterworth. Butterworth. Yeah, but if you can get to Umtata, there is a labor court in Umtata. And you could get, uh, get to the Department of Labor there in, in, in Umtata. Get oh, hold of an I'm sorry, sir. Well, Department of Labor, they yeah. say they, they enter nowhere. I, there is an office here in Butterworth under the Department of Labor. They say, you know, they, that case does not belong to them. Yeah, my, my Everybody's problem, passing the yeah, buck here. Yeah, passing the buck. But someone has to help you because Syria are the people that are in charge. And I would try and find out if you can get to the Labor Court and get the registrar to make some phone calls or at least put you on to a lawyer. Yes, uh, and another thing, now because the Scorpions are always paying these premiums, but they say your case is in process until the end, because now I'm struggling a lot. And now they 
me, I must phone them every time. I have no mind to phone. He's answering machines, taking long time. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Can you help me? It's a, it's a year now. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. I'm, I'm saying it's a... Out. Hello, man. I'm saying it's a year now that you've been waiting for this. Am I? It's taken a year so far. It's a whole yes, one year. Almost mm. a year. And before, I was working for another company, but our pensions was uh, with the NPS. NPS was so quick. Within five months, you receive all your provident funds, everything. But now, things are supposed to be speedy. But now, these people, I think there is uh, some, some, some corruption somewhere because... I don't believe because my contributions are there. Now I'm asking you, sir, if you can help me. I don't know if I can report also to the speak out. Uh, one time I was opening my TV. I said speak out, but I don't know their telephone numbers or special assignment. I really don't know where to go now. If you can help me, please. What other suggestions? Because he seems no, to have gone everywhere that we've yeah, suggested. That, he phoned in before. I don't really know where to turn other than you should get hold of an attorney. Um, who can help you on a pro bono basis, in other words, without money. And the only way you're going to do it is by going through to Amtata. The Labour Court does sit there occasionally or get hold of the CCMA to get hold of an attorney for you who can then okay. start writing letters because it looks like you've hit a dead end everywhere you go. Yeah. Um, and it looks like someone has cheated you. And I, I, you know, not more we can do other than to suggest that you get someone to act as your attorney and to write and there are those benefits that you can get from either the labor court or the ccma they'll put you on to someone they'll be able no. to find you an attorney that you don't have to pay for NEPTA. Yeah. okay now what about this another you see you know this company this legal protection company they're taking long time i'm paying them are taking long time to even to reply yeah, nope. I don't know much about them, so I can't really comment about them. But try and get. But you can maybe talk to you. This, if you get yourself an attorney, you can maybe yeah, talk to him about I, that as well. Correct. Nefta, okay. I'm I'm really sorry. We we seem to be struck a dead end here. But if you, as Michael said, go off to the Labour Court or the CCMA, put your tell them what's going on. Ask them if they can put you in touch with a lawyer, a pro bono lawyer, that okay. will be able to help you. But I really, I'm so sorry for your trouble. It sounds awful. But uh, thanks for getting through to us this evening. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good night to you. Good night. Good night. Bye. Off to King Williamstown now. Pilani, good evening. Good evening, Karen, and ha good evening to your guest. Hello. Hi. How can we help? Yes, uh, Karen, uh, you know what happened uh, in 2010? I lost sight, you know? And then I could not work for about uh, six months, but uh, I had this incapacity leave that I was, I was signing uh, for that period. Right. But uh, at the end of the financial year, I did not get my pay progression because my supervisor said I had underperformed. Okay. And now I wanted to understand how do I underperform when I was sick, you know, and I have submitted every documentation. Yeah, and I... now uh, I, I, I wrote a letter to my regional office and uh, they, we had a series of meetings since last year, but uh, sometime uh, last week or that week, yeah, they called me for a meeting. They said uh, they have seen their mistake, that uh, they should not have compared me with a sighted person. So, they, they, uh, I, I, because my argument is they must correct my notch because that has affected my, my, my salary, you know. So I wanted them to correct my notch and to refund me of every money that should have been paid during that time. But they say they don't have a budget for that. 
And they, can, so, they can only give me a bonus and a 1% pay progression, so which before, is not be, going to do anything to my notch. So before we carry on, is this Mr. Palani Zia that I'm talking to? Yes, Karen. Hello. You were on my um, show not that long ago talking about the amazing work you were doing down here with the League of Friends of the Blind. Is that correct? Yes. How, yes, how are you? Sorry, how are you doing? Are you doing well now other than this problem? No, I'm doing so well. I was in Cape Town also for the... For, for the, the Blind Buddy Day. Day. Right, yes. Okay. Right, so Michael, this sounds a bit ridiculous. I mean, yeah, you, you don't perform. You're not even there to... I mean, Correct, no. it does sound wrong. Are you a member of a union, by the way? Not, not really. Because I would suggest that this is a perfect case to be taken up by a union, and you should join. It's, it's, it's cheap, yeah. and it's probably worth your while. Because mm-hmm. this, this is going to be a long story, and it's probably not worth your while to get hold of a lawyer in these circumstances. Because it sounds like that the morality and right is on your side. Yeah. And you should actually be getting your proper notch. But this this has got to be taken up, and it shouldn't be you fighting this alone. You should be standing together with the union or other employees. Okay. So that's that's my strong suggestion. This is a perfect case to show how unions should be getting involved at the workplace. Mm-hmm. You do have a union there, I take it. Yeah, there 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 are unions here. There are unions. Yeah, and there they are, and and as as a government employee. You should be. You should have lots of unions that you can look to, find out which one is the most effective, and join that. Okay. Um, and I think I think that will be the easiest way because otherwise you're going to fight a battle all alone, and it's yeah, not it's not a yeah. good way. No, thanks, Michael. Thank, thank you. So much. Thanks. Keep well. Thanks, Polani, Really nice to hear from you. Keep well. Okay. Thanks. Thanks so much. much for the call. Good night to you. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Off to Margaret. Mark. Good evening. Good evening to you, Carl. How are you? I'm oh, very well. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, and welcome to your guest. Thank you. Um, I've got three quick questions that are sort of all interlinked. Um, I've been working at a holiday resort in Margate for five years. I uh, was being paid a weekly salary. Um, one day of that week was for my accommodation. Uh, I was then told that I was only required for one day a week for that particular job whereby the lady in question employed a gardener and an additional handyman who has also been given accommodation. Um, Now she wants me to vacate my um, accommodation. Um, I wasn't given any notice um, in the the first instance, Uh, and now she wants me to vacate my accommodation. And as I said, I've been staying here for five years. That's the first question. Second question is, the job I do during the week, I work on Sundays for this particular lady for one day for my uh, accommodation still, which was what was agreed. I used to work four days a week paid and one day a week for my accommodation. I'm still doing one day a week for my accommodation. Now, during the week, Monday to Friday, I work for a timber selling company now who pays me only 70 grand a day. Is that correct under the new... Uh, does it fall under the, the um, agricultural new minimum wage? That's the second question. The third and last question is, I sustained a serious back injury um, about a month ago. I've been working there for over three months. Uh, I go for physio um, every second week now, and they want to take additional x-rays because they're not happy with what they're seeing. He has been paying me for that day that I take off and paying for retrieval of my medical files and paying for my taxi transport, which is very decent of him. But what happens if it's a permanent industry uh, injury? 
and what should the minimum wage be for timber felling? They're my three questions, and I'll listen on the radio. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Thanks for getting through. Okay. Good night. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, just in terms of the minimum wage, yes, it's agriculture and uh, you should be falling under the minimum wage of agriculture and I think what you do need to do is to get hold of the Department of Labor and they probably have a lot of other people earning exactly what you're earning and it's, it sounds like it's too low. Um, it should be a lot more than that and you should find out exactly what it is. Um, I can't give you the actual figures because, in fact, maybe timber falls under a bargaining council as well. So just look into it in 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 terms of Natel. Um, KwaZulu Natel probably might have a different different rate. Different rate. Mm. So you need to have a look into that. In terms of your injury, there's not much you can do about it unless you are part of a provident fund, and unless the injury was caused at work and maybe fall under the workman's compensation. But it sounds like you're being treated really well. In terms of the lady that seems to have uh, almost retrenched you from four days of your work, and it depends whether you're still within the 30 days of when she did it. If it's beyond that, then you might have lost your case already because you're too late. But if it is within the 30 days, you can refer it and say that you've been unfairly retrenched. But you've got to be very careful because you might bite the hand that feeds you because you've got accommodation there for the one day. So be careful. I, I hope this answers all your questions and thank you for that. Thanks, Mark, for getting through. Barbara in Cape Town, good evening. Hi, good evening and thank you very much for taking my call. Pleasure. How can we help um, you? I actually have an inquiry um, uh, with regard to my husband who was employed as a, a driver. So he belonged to the... Uh, road freight bargaining council right um last year in november he requested the company to send him to get his haskim done in preparation for his public service which expired in in january late january and the company at that stage needed him to work so they they kept postponing it and didn't allow it didn't book the haskim as a result, when it came to January, he was suspended, saying that he doesn't have his public service. Meanwhile, he depended on them um, to uh, arrange the HASCAM through the company so that he can um, uh, apply for his public service with that, with the HASCAM certificate. Um, so when he was suspended, he, it delayed him, uh, unfortunately, to get his public service in time. So he only got his public service with the HASCAM in, in February. Um, when the company called him, he said, no, he's still waiting uh, for his Haskim. And then when he got his public service sorted out, he called the company and found out to find out, uh, you know, can he uh, now return? He's got his public service. Um, the company then said to him that, unfortunately, they don't have a job for him. The truck that he used to drive is now uh, being moved to the Durban branch. And if he needs, if he wants the job, he must relocate. But at the salary he was earning, it wasn't feasible for him to relocate. They then said to him, he can take the other option of driving a smaller truck, but they're going to reduce his salary. So uh, all of this was done uh, informally. There was no warning of the suspension, no documentation done uh, in terms of the suspension in, because uh, um, he didn't have a public service. Uh, but again, the, he didn't have the public service as a result of the company not arranging yeah. the HASCIM. And then eventually, um, the, the, he ne tried to negoti negotiate the salary to, to the owner to say that the company has moved, petrol has gone up, and if they decrease his salary, it's not going to be feasible. 
So the company said they will come back to him. Unfortunately, they didn't come back to him, and he waited until the end of March, I think, for them to respond, which they didn't. And he eventually went to the bargaining council to uh, go and lay a report, and the bargaining council didn't really take hearing to what he was saying. All they did was they facilitated his benefits, and uh, they sent him with the applications to the company to get signed and come back. When he came back to the bargaining council, he realized that on one set of documents they had absconsion, and on the other set of documents they had resigned. And um, when he brought it to my attention, uh, I actually arranged an attorney for him to, to, for him to consult, which he did. And the attorney actually advised him that he, uh, he, he has no recourse. Mm. Um, I then called the, um, the, law, uh, the Law Resource Center um, to find out more. And they said, no, he definitely has recourse because neither of the actions from the company was done in, in, uh, in, in a way that uh, it's a written uh, or in writing or followed procedure. That's what they said to me. None of what they did followed procedure. So I just want to find out what your views are in, in this case because he's now gone back to um, the bargaining council and they've now given him a condemnation to apply for a condemnation because he's now out of time. But being out of time is not because um, he knew what to do because the company didn't come back to him with a positive answer. Neither did they document anything. Neither did they call him in uh, to say that you don't uh, have a job anymore. You, you know, this is what we are offering you, or put the offer in writing. He okay, was permanently, uh, he was permanently employed, so he did have a contract. Um, so this was basically changing his contract. So in terms of changing his contract as well, they didn't. Um, do it in a formal way to change his contract. Okay, yeah. Barbara, we are, we need, we're running out of time here. Michael, Thank you, yes. yes quite, quite simply, yes, uh, he must apply for that condemnation. It's quite the correct route to go. The bargaining council, in fact, do have unions. He is a member of the union. He should actually be getting some advice from that union. He shouldn't drive this one alone. He should be going um, properly do the, the condemnation by affidavit. Once he's done that, then it sounds like what's happened to him is incredibly unfair and he should be able to get reinstated into his formal position. And then if the company feels that they don't have a position for him once he's reinstated, they will have to embark upon the retrenchment procedure. So simply put, he has got a case. It sounds like it's unfair, but don't try and drive this alone because he's been messed around. Actually, he doesn't belong to a union because the company didn't want them to belong to a union. No, they do. If they belong to a bargaining council, they formally belong to a union. So they can ask at the bargaining council which union is the agreed one. You'll see that there are deductions on his pay slip. Thank you. Okay, Barbara, thank you very much for getting through and good luck to you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Nicholas and Mpumalangi, if you can be very brief, we'll squeeze this as our last call. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Uh, you know, I'm employed as a truck driver. I've been employed since 2008. And uh, I'm just worried about, uh, I just need a clarification on the basic salary because I was, when I, my, on my first papers, which I, on employment, I did sign for a basic salary. But uh, actually, since 2008 till then, I've never received that much uh, simply because I only received the money which I do for the trip actually, which I have been assigned before. So I don't. I just wanted clarification on how the basic salary is actually calculated. Yeah, thank you for that. You have to, in fact, get hold of the bargaining council. There is a road freight bargaining council, 
And that road freight bargaining council will give you all the advice that you need. Take that pay slip into them. Find out where they are, where the nearest one is. And they will then advise you on what is the minimum wage and whether it's been done properly. It looks like they're being unfair because they're paying you only per trip which is not correct. This sort of goes back to that first, one of the first emails we did with somebody also said he's a truck driver, but now he wasn't sure if he was getting a basic salary or an incentive or... Correct. So there seems to be a bit of confusion with, no, with many, truck drivers. Many of the trucking companies actually only pay people per trip, which is not right. They do belong to bargaining councils and the people have to be treated fairly in terms of the basic minimum wage within those bargaining Well, Nicholas, councils. Nicholas, you said that on your original contract, there was, it was stated that you would get a basic salary. Yes, I did, I did even sign for it. You signed, and now they're not paying you the basic, they're only paying you per trip. Per trip. If, if, if ever I, I ask uh, about my basic, uh, what, I, what actually they tell me is that, uh, well, you have got to work for your basic. No, uh, yeah, well, of course, from, everyone has to work. There, that's, when they, that's the only thing which they only tell me. Tell me. Everyone has to work. They give you a minimum amount of hours that you have to work for your basic. That's true. That's absolutely correct. But it's got to be the basic in terms of that bargaining council. They can't just pay you per trip. They have to pay you for the minimum amount of hours that you do. Normally people have to do a 45 hour per week before they actually qualify for their basic. Otherwise they're going to get less than the basic. Okay. Uh, th thank you very much. Thank you. Good luck to you, Nicholas. Thanks for getting through. Thank you. Good night to you. Gosh, it's this ongoing thing with truck drivers. It seems yeah. never to quite come to an end. It's, it looks like we're very popular with the truck drivers. Apparently, yeah. yes. They listen to us while they're driving, obviously, yeah, which no, is hopefully, great. Welcome. Hopefully, hopefully they got hands-free kits. Well, not, not, well if they're, when they're phoning us, yes. Yeah. So all those truck drivers out there, please drive safely. Thank you for listening to us. And um, you're always welcome to call us. A lot of you do. So nice to hear from you. Well, my thanks once again this evening to Michael Bagram. He's the Practicing Managing Partner at Bagram's Attorneys, Labor Law Specialist here in Cape Town. And he's been my guest on tonight's edition of the Law Report Program. Michael, thank you so much once again for joining us. Thank you. And thanks for having me. And I look forward to the next show. Thank yes, you. well, that's a special treat again this month. We keep giving us these special treats. We had one last month as well. Michael will be back with us again on the 17th of June. That's in just two weeks' time. So tune in for that. Monday the 17th of June. The Law Report is on the air every Monday evening between 9 and 10. And if you'd like to contact me, you can do so via email on law at safm.co.za. And um, you can find the show now on Facebook as well. You take a look at Law on SAFM. And there are lots of documents on there if, on the Facebook page, the lists of them, if you're wanting to get more information on those. Just have a look at the Facebook page and um, send me an email with your email address so I can forward those documents to you. Lots of nice, interesting legal document things that we've put up there for you to be able to use. Well, in next week's program, being the second Monday of the month, we'll once again be joined by attorney Nicolene Skuman for our general law clinic. That's the Law Report next Monday, the 10th of June. And I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening, just after nine, with the Disability Report. So join me for that because we'll be taking an in-depth look at stem cell therapy. Rather interesting topic that, so join me then.